This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, basketball fans. Can you believe it? It's time for another WNBA season. That's right. Around the Rim is back. We are your ESPNW Women's Basketball Podcast. I am your host, LaChina Robinson, joined by my fantastic and fabulous producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby. Um, and we have another special guest with us that I will introduce in just a moment. But first, I just want to say thank you to everyone that tuned in during college season, which was quite the ride, Tarika. Am I right? It was amazing. It was. Um, the Baylor Lady Bears won their third program third national championship um, over Notre Dame. But I'm not going to say that too loud for some reasons that I can't discuss right now. <laughs> um, but thank you, especially everyone that came to the live show at the Final Four. We had so much fun. And there continues to be a lot happening in college women's basketball. We're not going to get totally away from that this summer. Uh, a lot of coaching hires, a lot of transfers, so much that we need to to recap. And we'll do that uh, throughout the summer, but it's WNBA season. And if you have not heard, the WNBA season starts this Friday, May 24th. Um, and we're excited about it. So today's show, we have a lot going on. But with that, I want to bring in our special guest is someone who I have a lot of respect for as a player, as a person, as a competitor, um, and of her knowledge of the game. She's someone that uh, loves basketball, keeps up with everything that's happening on all fronts, um, very knowledgeable. She's a Chicago native, which I sometimes wish I lived in Chicago. Yes, yes, the Atlanta girl does sometimes wish <laughs> she lived in Chicago because it's one of my favorite cities. But please join me in welcoming Devro Peters to the show. Welcome, Dev. Thank you. Thank Woo-hoo. you. I'm excited to be here. And let me just um, add to that because I think it's important, Dev. I think sometimes people don't realize, like, the level of success that you had in the WNBA. Um, you are WNBA champion t- 2013 with the Minnesota Lynx. And I would just like to say, obviously you were selected by Minnesota third overall in the 2012 draft, but I would like to say that I don't think Minnesota wins that championship in 2013 without you. If oh. I am, if I am correct, weren't you getting ready to be a free agent? No, that was the 2015 season. I went oh, to was, there actually. Yep. Thank you very much. Oh, did you win? Did you win too? I did. Did you win? You were there in 2015. I sure. Okay, was. back that me all it. the way up. Well, <laughs> <That> actually, <laughs> actually, you can back up WNBA.com, but we'll hit that later. Yeah, um, have to go there. So yeah, so it was that last championship that I was like, wow, like Dev is balling now. Obviously, when you're getting ready to come up as a free agent, that's a time where you know, you want to put on a show or whatever. But I was like, Dev is out here balling. So shout out to you and thank you for joining the show. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to a whole lot, actually. Um, I recently decided to retire. <laughs> so I didn't want to put I, that out there. Let I'm, you put that out it's there. Fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've talked to a lot of people about it. But yeah, I'm done playing. Um, I got my real estate license and I'm working with Berkshire Hathaway and I'm still doing a lot of work with my production company and have actually hopefully some big things coming with that. So I have been quite busy. Wow. Production company. That sounds spicy. Yeah, it's been a process. <laughs> but um, We've had a couple things moving. So hopefully in the next couple months, y'all will be hearing some good and pretty big things about that because um, I've been working hard and I've had a lot of help and a lot of people helping me out with that. And um, I'm looking to do some good stuff with the W. So I'm excited. Okay. Awesome. Well, we're excited for you. And 
let me also just just say that um, Devereaux is like an official commentator slash analyst now that she's retired because she just she's unbiased right except for notre dame is that correct I, yeah you, except for notre dame we're not gonna, <laughs> not gonna sit up here and try to lie to y'all i'm going to be very biased about notre dame but everything else is you know i'm just enjoying the game now we love that we're glad that you are with us and we'll be keeping our eyes on everything else you're doing if you have not seen down and dirty with Devereaux, that is a little bit of a, a taste of what she can do from a production standpoint and her thoughts on some other things um, so in a minute, Tarika's going to take over for our first quarter because Dev and I are going to debate. Now, nothing against uh, Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. Isn't that who he is? That's, that's yes. who it is. want to make sure I get him right. Um <laughs> took me a while to um, – I'm not going to talk about the old show. But anyway, yeah, so um, Skip, that's who I thought about at first. I was like, wow, I even forgot his name. I haven't seen him <laughs> since he left. Well, I remember, LaChina, you had your appearance on First Take. I was like, oh, hey, girl. I did have an appearance on you First did. Take. You did. It was like one day, and they were like, okay, <laughs> she's a little bit much. Um, I do. I think I threw some ratchet, like, stuff out you on the You held it down for us. You did. I tried. I tried. Anyway, yeah, so we're going to be um, debating, Dev and I, on some hot topics in the WNBA, led by Tarika. Kind of a new format for the show that we want to take on. Um, again, Dev and I, we do like to fight. Um, on Twitter, Tariq and I like to fire the podcast, so it should work out well, but you know, we're not going to intentionally disagree, right? We're just going to. I mean, I'm not kind of, I know how I am, so I know I that's, may intentionally that's, disagree. I'm not why, even going to lie to y'all. <laughs> and that's why, and that's why we love you, Dev, because you are who you are, even though you were wrong. Now, Dev, please fill Tariq in on our discussion on Twitter about music real quick, because we did have a, a disagreement recently. Oh, uh, we, did, was it the Donald Jones thing that was that? Yeah, I feel like we we almost agreed. I I just feel like what what song were we talking about? Where I, I want to be. Yes, where I want to be is like the dumbest song ever made. <laughs> I'm just so offended by it. Like I I get that the beat sounds nice and he sounds his voice sounds great over the music. However, you're not gonna tell me that you want to be done with me after dating all this time, that's fine, actually. That part is fine. But then you're going to be upset when I decide to move on, singing all in the window, because <laughs> you wanted me to wait for you to finish being, you know, a little thought. I don't understand. <laughs> that song makes no sense to me. And y'all just be bobbing to it like these lyrics aren't ridiculous. So I, I can't weigh in because I'm a Migos fan and nothing that they say <laughs> makes sense. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, but yeah, so we are going to be talking a little bit of music and everything else on the show, but fans, oh my gosh, like this WNBA season is about to be crazy. Um, and we'll talk about some of this throughout the show, but as CEO, um, from Deloitte has decided to come over to the WNBA as the new commissioner, the first ever commissioner. We'll talk about that a little bit. Lots of injuries and, and missing players to start the season, which creates opportunities for next up. And so you're going to hear a lot about some of the players that you may not hear as much about often, but could take major roles on some of the WNBA teams. The Seattle Storm, they are the defending champs, but they are defending shorthanded. Uh, and we'll tell you a little bit about that as the show goes on. But with that, we have a lot to get to. So we are going to jump into the first quarter. First quarter. 
All right, basketball fans. So as LaChina just mentioned, um, there's been so much going on in this offseason that it was kind of hard to figure out where exactly we wanted to start with this debate. But I think there's no better place to start than uh, the recent announcement that you just mentioned of the WNBA hiring their first ever commissioner. So they did hire former Deloitte CEO Kathy Engelbert. She's actually the fifth person to uh, take on this role of leading the WNBA. She has a very astute background. Uh, actually, I I think Dev should probably be the first to tackle this topic, considering she is a product of Coach Muffet McGraw. She played for her um, at Lehigh. So she does have some basketball knowledge outside of her business acumen. And quite a few people have really liked this hire. Our own Michelle Vopel wrote an article on ESPN.com about how she approved of this. So, Dev, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on on this hire considering where the league has gone the rebranding that they've done over this past year how do you like this hire um i'm not going to definitive definitively say what i like or not yet until she's really been in the position to be honest but i do like that she has been um a player um and i think that was one of my biggest qualms with um the previous presidents was that we had a lot of business minds and not a lot of people that understand the players perspective and their concerns. And so, you know, you have somebody that's so focused on the business side of things. And then you also have the other side, which is the players and, and what their concerns are and what their ideas are on certain things. And I think sometimes it came across in a way where it was like, you could tell that they don't know a whole lot about the basketball side. So I love that she's been a player. I love that, of course, she's been under uh, Coach McGraw because um, we see how those products turned out throughout the league. <laughs> there you go. There's <laughs> that pie number one we're talking about. Number so, one. I, I do love that. And um, I'm just excited to see where we're going. I'm, I'm excited with the rebrand. I think they did an excellent job with that. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do with that and, and how they push it. And, you know, there's a there's a whole been a whole lot going on. So I'm hoping that we can be consistent with it and, and push it in a way that um, continues to help us grow. Deb, I agree with you. I think um, it's it's an exciting time. It's an important time. Now, I, I know myself along with a lot of other people were restless about this hire because I think Lisa Borders left in what October so we're like okay what's taking so long where is the WNBA uh, president who would eventually be a commissioner but um, you know and to that point that logo was developed before she came on board and I was like dang I wonder what she thinks about the logo but you know she doesn't start till July 15th so um, I do like the logo by the way and, and I know that some people were a little bit confused about the timing of that. Um, but I think once you see the whole rollout that the WNBA has planned as far as a new look to attract, a, a, honestly, an, a younger audience, you'll understand how it all comes together. Um, you know, I also appreciate the basketball acumen, you know, like someone who understands the game from a player's perspective. And that was one of my concerns coming in. You know, Val Ackerman played, and if Val would have – I don't even know if they engaged her in the thought of coming back, but that's who I was wanting to come back because Val understands WNBA, FIBA. She's the commissioner of the Big E, so she understands the college side of it. And I was like, well, let's just get Val back. But clearly Val is happy doing the job she's doing. Now, here is my one concern, okay, because Kathy has the CEO of Deloitte, which is a prestigious position. She's got the basketball check. In order for her to do her job to the fullest extent that she can and to be the best 
CEO that this league needs. She has to get full cooperation from the NBA side, right? So that is my one thing is what will the working relationship be like between Kathy and, and what will she be able to establish with the NBA? Obviously, Adam Silver, because I believe that's who she will report to. You know, the WNBA has expanded their staff here over the last maybe year and a half or so. That needed to be done. I thought that, you know, they needed to grow. They were understaffed and just sometimes, um, you know, were, were under duress because they didn't have a lot of people, um, to help to get things done. So you see the investment in the staff. We've seen, you know, the announcement of AT&T, uh, while Mark Tatum was interim, we saw the CBS deal. So everybody's like, okay, exciting. That has to continue because I think those deals were done while Mark Tatum was working uh, or over the WNBA because he's connected to the NBA. So he knows everything that the NBA has available or everything that the WNBA uh, could possibly, you know, take advantage of or of those relationships to make some of these things come about. So my thing is I, I'm excited about Kathy, excited about the new leadership, but the synergy between the WNBA and NBA has to not only grow, but has to continue um, during her time. And I think that will have a lot to do with how she is able to bridge the relationships with Adam and, and Mark and, and the people that really are in the know and control. I mean, I agree with you, but I feel like that's more the NBA than anything in I have my own issues with them, but we don't have to go there today. We really don't, <laughs> we really don't have to go there today. I'm just going to say that they need to do their part. Right. And, and, and like I said, during Mark's time, I was excited to see those deals done, to see some movement being made. And I, I just hope that part of it continues. But yeah, Deb, we will definitely be stepping out on this topic. Yeah, again on that the show. would be that would be a whole episode if we <laughs> talk to me about that. So we not Look, even we we are gonna get there. We are mm. gonna get there. What else you got, Tariga? Well, there have been a lot of of player movement this off season. Um, I think that we kind of saw the different pieces of different teams starting to pull together or pull apart. Um, but I don't think anything that we saw prepared us for the two splash moves that we can say of the offseason, the first of which being uh, Chinea Gumake going to the L.A. Sparks for a first round 2020 draft pick, which is what Connecticut received. And then uh, just last week, seeing Liz Cambage announcing that she's joining the Las Vegas Aces in which the Dallas Wings in return received a guard, Mariah Jefferson, Isabel Harris, and a 2020 first and second round pick from Las Vegas, which was interesting because I know that there were reports saying that she was really interested in joining the Sparks and after seeing Chene go to LA it was kind of like OMG if there is a team that has Chene and NECA and Candace and Liz like this is ridiculous just shut the league down this ain't even fair no more but um with all of that said my question to you and LaChina we'll start with you first is which person do you think kind of curbed their team a little bit more? Do you think it was Cheney leaving Connecticut, knowing how much she meant to that squad? Or was it really Liz leaving Dallas, knowing that that team's going to be starting the season without Skyler? Um, who do you think kind of left their team hanging the most? Well, first, let me just say this. It is not an easy discussion to have. Like what we are seeing happen in the WNBA as far as players sitting out, demanding trades, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a difficult conversation, right? Because on one hand, you have, uh, the players who want control over their lives that, 
you know, we've often talked about are are underpaid and often underappreciated, which I think forces them in some instances to look at other aspects of life in its totality. And, um, you know, both in the conversations about Liz and about in with Cheney, it was, OK, what is my opportunity in this next space? Right. That may not have been the initial thought, but you obviously Cheney was thinking, hey, this is an opportunity for me to play with NECA. Um, ESPN is in LA. Um, though, you know, when you read the tweets from her agent, that's not how the conversation started, but you can see how it makes sense. Liz Cambage is a player that has said over and over again, because she had a difficult time in Tulsa, um, you know, when she was first, when she first came to the WNBA with, you know, players bullying her on her team and, and within the organization that, she wanted to play somewhere where she could be happy, where she felt comfortable, where she liked her coach, all of those things. Um, and so she's also talked about quality of life, right? And so it's a difficult conversation because fans want the player they drafted or they want the player that is supposed to be on their roster. I mean, Cheney is the number one pick. Like, that changes the landscape dramatically. Not to say that Connecticut can't go on to do great things, but on paper, they're starting out without a, a, a big piece. And so just let me start there. But, Tariqa, I'm going to change your question a little bit, and I'm going to say the biggest curve out of the two of them (laughs) was by far Liz Cambage because she did not just curb Dallas. She curved the whole WNBA. Yeah, she did. Okay? (laughs) Today the GM results came out, you know, uh, the WNBA survey, and what? That, uh, Vegas is going to win the WNBA championship. Like 33%. seriously, like seriously, <laughs> that curve, like everyone else in the league is right now figuring out what they are going to do with Liz Cambage beside Asia Wilson. Like that's a whole league curve. Liz Cambage was second in MVP uh, voting last year. She had the 53 point game setting the WNBA record. I mean, she averaged 23 points and, and 10 rebounds She's 6'8", can shoot the three, has a fierce attitude. Like, she changes Vegas in so many ways, and many of them are are nothing that you could actually see. Her attitude, you know, just the type of player she she is, her hunger. So what she did was she set the whole league back. Like, this is a Vegas team that missed the playoffs last year and now is picked to win it. I don't know that that's ever happened. So my answer is Liz curbed the whole league because she and the Vegas Aces are about to be a problem. I'm going to have to agree that that whole I'm just going to say right now, Vegas is my team right now for this year. (laughs) They were my team before they got Liz. And now I like I really don't know at this point what you're going to do, to be honest. I, I really don't. Liz is probably one of the hardest players I've had to guard ever in my life. Like. I there was nothing you you could do with her, and this is like when she first got to the league. You know, like it's like right, her first right. couple years in the league, she's developed so much more now, and it's like I don't. I just remember like looking at Reeve, like what do you expect from me? I don't know <laughs> what else I'm supposed to do, but I can't. <laughs> like I'm gonna try my best, but now the rest of the league is looking like this, and and with all the injuries that are going on this year and the teams that are down, I I just don't know what anybody else is going to do. I feel like this is going to be that year, like a couple years ago when there was like so much disparity in the league from like two through 10. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. then like Vegas is just going to be above and beyond because I mean they, they're stacked. They the moves they made this offseason were ridiculous. They are just all around stacked. But you know what? I think Connecticut actually has um, a better chance of maintaining the level of success that they've had because they've been in a position before where they've had to play without Janae. She was just injured um, two seasons ago and they had to pretty much figure out what they were going to do without her. And we had an opportunity to see, you know, John Cole Jones kind of step up and, and take over the team. And I think this gives her an opportunity to do that even just a little bit more. So I don't think that as as crazy as it as it was living here in Hartford and 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 seeing so many people um confused a little bit about why she wanted to leave asking the questions of if you still wanted to work for ESPN well you know could you not have still done that here um aside from the other factors that Lachina earlier mentioned but i think that they're in the best position to to get better and to kind of maintain the level of success that they've had only because they've been in this position before well, let me ask you this, Dev, because mm. you may be able to speak on this from a player's perspective. Um, Chanae's agent, you know, tweeted out that there was some conversations that she was in a trade. So that or, you know, there were speculations that she may be traded that were coming from players or whatever. So basically that made her start to contemplate her future. Is hearing that news as a player something that, like would make you start to look elsewhere or is that just part of the business? I mean, for me, it's part of the business. And a lot of times you're not going to (laughs) hear it's just going to happen. So if she did hear, I went, I mean, we've all known for quite some time that Janae has wanted to play with NECA. Like, I think that's been known for probably the entire time. She, yeah, Mm -hmm. she's been in the league. That's been known. So it's not surprising to me that if those were some rumors that she was hearing, that that would be her next thought because Everybody knows that's something that she's wanted to do before she retired. So, I mean, to me, I thought everybody was freaking out for no reason, to be honest. Like, this is a business. And at the end of the day, teams are going to make the decisions that they feel are best for them. And players are, too. But for whatever reason, people feel that players shouldn't be making those decisions at all. So, I well, don't know. I think, I think the forcing of the trade is what has people up in arms, right? Because you're saying that you so desperately want to get out of here that if we don't move you, then you're not going to play at all. So it it puts a number of teams in a difficult position, right? I mean, look at what Dallas got for Liz Cambage. Like, and I love Mariah Jefferson and I can't wait till she is back on the floor and, you know, and, and healthy. And I love Isabel Harrison, but they did not get the value for Liz Cambage. Yeah, um, and I I understand that. I really do, and it sucks. <laughs> but at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that people don't hear, fans don't hear about what teams do that's grimy to players. So, I mean, it's give and take. It happens on both sides. So, to me, it's just it's a part of the business. It happens. Sometimes you get the better in the stick, and sometimes you don't. But it's just a part of the game, and I feel like once people accept that <laughs> – They'll stop being so worked up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely becoming a more popular part of the game, and this won't be the last time I'm sure that we see this. And and honestly, I just feel like, hey, you got to do what's best for you in life, mm-hmm. period, because life is short. And I, I, I tweeted out, just based on an article that I read, like it wasn't, I hadn't talked to Cheney about anything, but I read the article from Connecticut that basically said that she or her agent had communicated that she was, 
contemplating retirement. And so to me that said, okay, if she's a player that's thinking about retiring, retiring, she's trying to accelerate the process of winning a championship. Um, not to say that that chance is better with LA, but this may be her shot to play with NECA. Um, whatever that is, like a player that's contemplating that, which her agent later said she wasn't, but is, is obviously in a different place. So whatever it is, you got to let people make the decisions that are best for them. And yeah, sometimes they suck. Yeah. Oh, well, people do it every day in, in the regular world. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, kind of on a sad note, we have seen our fair share of player injuries over this past offseason. I mean, in the number, it just continues to grow. There are so many perennial MVP candidates, all-stars, so many people that won't even be playing this season or won't be starting this season. Candace Parker um, battling injury out three to five weeks with a hamstring. We know Brianna Stewart. Um, I'm sorry, Brianna Stewart, because I know what mispronouncing your name does to people. I apologize, Brianna. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she suffered um, a torn Achilles tendon when she was playing overseas. Diana Tarazi, she just underwent back surgery. You still have Angel McCautry, who's battling back from an ACL injury, so she may not be starting this season. And it, this doesn't even include players who have other things going on. Skylar Diggins isn't playing as she's um, out on pregnancy leave. Maya Moore, who decided to sit out for her own personal reasons. Kathy Pondexter retiring. I mean, there's just so many faces that we know and that we are so used to seeing on the court that we won't be this year that, uh, Dev, I'll start with you. You know, how do you think these injuries are going to impact the visibility of the league when so many faces are sidelined? Um, I, first, I hate injuries. Obviously, I've been through my fair share, but um, it's so it sucks. Um, but I honestly feel like this is a great opportunity for the league to show some new faces because over the past few years, we have promoted a lot of the same people. And that's those are who you constantly see on the front page of articles and, and whatever discussions there are and anything else, social media. And so I'm actually kind of excited to be able to see some new people step into the light and get their time because, you know, this is what the league is about, you know, like especially for players that may be coming off of the bench. Like this is a time where people can show what they've been working on, um, who's been making improvements. And who, you're really going to see who's been putting in the work at this point, because, I mean, the league is wide open right now. There's so many opportunities for so many players to step up and showcase what they can do. So while it sucks that a lot of these major players are injured, I'm really excited to see who steps up and, and shows you know, what they've been doing in this off season and what they've been working on and what they've been waiting on their moment for. I, I agree that it is, you know, I think definitely a positive. And I got my who's on the come up list that I'll share with you all in a minute. But I don't necessarily agree with the argument that, like, we should not be focusing on the the big names and the big faces. And this is what I'll say. We just don't have enough coverage for WNBA, period, right? So, like, women's basketball across the board. Like, if we had as many outlets, as many shows, as many of whatever to showcase, I think you would see uh, more of the faces that we don't see on a regular basis because you would just have more content, right? So, last year, for example, what I would call the WNBA finals was the series between Phoenix and and Seattle, right? Because Seattle went on to beat Washington 3-0. Um, if Phoenix would have been in the championship, could ha Atlanta, you know, or Washington have beat them? I don't think so, just based on experience. 
Um, Atlanta may have had a shot against Seattle, but at the end of the day, that ended up being the semifinals ended up being the finals. And who were the biggest stars? Sue Bird, right? Brianna Stewart, and Diana Taurasi. Now, we had a lot of big performances. Brittany Griner, too, you know, whatever. Uh, throw her in there. But Natasha Howard, I thought, really was on the come up. I thought Jewel Lloyd had some moments. Dewana Bonner is somebody that you don't, you know, hear about as much as some of the big stars. But at the end of the day, it was still the big stars in the big moments. So I think that it is justified if you are limited on your coverage that you kind of have to go with what the big story is, right? At least um, when we're talking about getting to the playoffs and championships and things like that. But then you have shows like Around the Rim where, we, you know, we try to bring a little bit of everybody in. Now, with that being said, I, I do think that there is an opportunity now with injuries and other things for the for the next stars to – you know, let themselves be known to shine. And, and some of those injuries are still questionable, right? Like Angel is supposed to be back at some point this season. We don't know when. And Diana is said to be coming back. You know, Candace is out for a short time, um, first few weeks of the season. Maya is out for the entire season, but that's for personal reasons, not injury. Uh, Victoria Vivians is out. Sue Bird is expected to come back at some point. Um, at the end of the day, you know, Skylar Diggins will be back. Brianna Stewart will not, but there are some players that I would like to put out there that are on my come up list. And this won't be all of them, but I'm putting it out there right now. So everybody can say, Oh, I remember LaChina said, yes, I told y'all because I told y'all. Okay. Here they are. Ariel Atkins in, in DC, Alex Bentley, Diamond DeShields, Gabby Williams, John Quill Jones, as you guys alluded to with the departure of Cheney, uh, Shatori Walker Kimbrough, Kelsey Mitchell of Indiana. Now, not all these players are playing on teams that necessarily have injuries, but they are players that I think will have an opportunity because of injuries to hear their names and their stories more often and for us to get to know a little bit more about them. Now, the players that are on my will-need-to-step-up list because of the injuries, Shavante Zealous will have a great opportunity in Seattle with, you know, the injury now to sue. They'll need everybody to do more, along with Jewel Lloyd. Odyssey Sims, she's on my preseason All-WNBA team because without Maya Moore, Minnesota's going to need a lot of things, and I think Odyssey's going to have the space and opportunity to do a lot. Azaree Stevens in Dallas. Yes, Liz Cambage is gone, but I think we still have not seen the best of Azaree and what she's capable of. Um, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis also in Seattle, I think, will have an opportunity. Obviously, Langhorn will, will have to fill in the shoes of Brianna Stewart, which are not easy shoes to fill. Um, Essence Carson in Phoenix with Diana Tarazi could, you know, really rise to the occasion and, and be an integral part of things. So across the board... I think there's players that are just waiting for their chance, waiting for their turn, and we'll see a lot of them get some shine, I think, this season. I mean, I'm, I wasn't necessarily saying that, you know, like we're not supposed to be promoting these superstars because they are who they are. They've earned that right. All I'm saying is that 
there's like the same circuit of people that go to all the events, do all the all stars, not even all ours. I'm talking about like the celebrity stuff. It's, it's like the same circuit <laughs> of people. <laughs> and so it's nice to see, give or have an opportunity for people to step up into that spotlight and be given those opportunities as well. Even, even with like the new WNBA commercial, you had a lot of new faces in there that we don't get to see that often. So. I, I love that. I love that they're promoting some more people. I'm just saying do, you know, just expand it maybe a little bit, even within what we have right now. Also, I was just going to say, I think your come up list is spot on. If you still think Ariel Atkins is on a come up, I don't know what you've been watching. <laughs> well, she you. is well past. Well, right. <laughs> Anybody out there who does not know that name by now. Right, <laughs> but this is what... But here's my thing. And, and some of those players, we, we do know. Obviously, we know who Odyssey Sims are, but there's still a next level for Ariel Atkins, right? Oh, she yeah, hasn't made sure. her first WNBA All-Star team. You know, she, I mean, there's still, she hasn't made her first WNBA team, first or second, whatever. I, girl, you ain't, listen, I went to Albany and watched her the other day against the Atlanta Dream, and I, I left with that one sentiment. I was like, she cold. Man. She cold. <laughs> listen, I, mean, I was in camp with her. And I'm like, is she a rookie? Are we sure? Are we sure about that? Check her pulse, please. Please check her credentials. We need some information. She is a problem. Yeah, Yeah, she is a problem. Um, But, you know, when you look at the first team and second team, all WNBA, there are five players from last year, 10 total, obviously. There's five on first team, five on second team. There are five players from that 10-member first and second team that are not starting this season. Stewie, Diane Tarazi. Candace Parker, Scott Diggins, Smith, Maya Moore. So there is space and opportunity for people to make a name. What yeah. you going to do? Time to step up. And with that, fans, we're going to head into the second quarter. Second quarter inside the huddle. All right, so I know y'all are excited because I'm excited that the season officially kicks off this week and our ESPN ABC game of the week is going to be the defending champion Seattle Storm against the Phoenix Mercury. And um, I am excited about this game for a second, uh, for a different reason than I originally was because as we mentioned earlier with injuries, there are so many people that are going to be missing on the defending side of things. Um, both of these teams... Um, are really starting their season without their stars. There's no Diana for Phoenix. Just yesterday, we received the news that Sue Bird is actually going to be out indefinitely with a knee injury that could keep her sideline for eight to 10 weeks as surgery is going to be needed. Um, so no Sue Bird, no Brianna Stewart, um, already dealing with the, the, an illness from their head, head coach, Dan Hughes, as we sent our prayers out to him, who just recently had surgery to remove a cancerous tumor. So Seattle has a weight on their shoulder right now. And this is how, um, they're going to respond their defense of their title. So, um, this team is battered. It's broken from an injury perspective. But do we do we think that there's still a chance for them to make the playoffs, for them to go deep into the playoffs? The China, I'll start with you. Um, what can we expect to see from them? Um, so just as we've talked about Vegas, you know, making this jump, right, from not being in the playoffs to – some people think winning the WNBA championship. They're not my champion. I have the Phoenix Mercury winning the WNBA championship. So put me and Dev down for our choices now. Um, but I wrote that down. <laughs> right. But I, I, I have a 
probably was going to be a very unpopular take. I don't think Seattle is going to be able to make the playoffs without Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird. Um, if Sue is not able to return and as is in Sue Bird form by shoot early August, they really don't have much of a shot. And that's just how I feel about it. Um, you know, I think they're a great team. I mean, we saw last year what they were capable of. Their supporting cast, you know, how they had grown and Alicia Clark. And, um, you know, again, we mentioned Jewel Lloyd. And, I mean, they've got talent. And, and that's really not what it is. They just have not – there's been such an influx on all of these other teams of – um, you know, talented players that are healthy, you know, so it's not about what Seattle doesn't have. Well, it is because they don't have Sue Bird and Brian Stewart, but it's what other teams are gaining or how they're moving or how they're changing. I mean, Washington gets Emma Mieseman back. You know, if Atlanta is able to get Angel McCartry back in the mix, Vegas, we just talked about the moves that they've made. Like these teams are adding LA has Chanae and NECA, which is going to be a complete handful uh, and even Minnesota is a team that, shoot, Cheryl Reeve is out here making moves on this roster if y'all are not paying attention mm-hmm. and getting players for a very low price. Nothing. Okay. So, so, you know, I, nothing against Seattle at all. I think Jordan Canada is going to have an amazing year. She'll actually get reps and, and get to get out there. Shavante Zellis is a great fit, but. I don't think Seattle's going to make the playoffs if, if they don't have Stewie and Sue at full capacity this year. I uh, I don't think I'm ready to fully say they won't make the playoffs. They lose a lot with Stewie being out and Sue, but I feel like I don't. I just I can't say that. I can't say they're not gonna play for the playoffs. I think they have enough to squeak by. Now I don't know that I can't say that they're gonna make it deep in the playoffs if they make it, but I think they have enough. I think Jewel will step up. I think Alicia Clark will step up. I think Natasha Howard has shown that she can step up and be a major piece to the team. So I think, I think they have enough to make it, but I mean, getting far is, is definitely going to be difficult because like you said, there's a lot of movement going on. A lot of teams stepping their games up and their, their whole entire squad up. So I don't think they'll make it that far, but I think they can definitely slide in those last couple spots. LaChina, I want to come back to you for a second because you picked Phoenix to to win it all. And considering that there's no Diana to start the season, they're going to have to be some people to kind of take over, to, to have that takeover spirit. And I think that we know, like, Brittany Griner has that takeover spirit. She's done it. Um, but I want to know, in your opinion, do you think there will be some other people? Like, does Dewana Bonner need to step up? Essen Carson's like, what can we expect to see from her? Like, what are the key pieces that you think, or what do you need to see from other players in Diana's absence that, you know, convicts you that this is the team that could go all the way? Oh, everyone's going to need to step up. I mean, we're talking about the GOAT here who won't be on the court. And, you know, Dev can probably speak to this better than I can because, you know, she played on their, their roster recently. But everyone's going to have to step up to replace Dinah Shirazi. I mean, there is no replacing her. But if there is a team that's ready for it, I mean, Dewana Bonner was fantastic last year. Brittany Griner has been itching. And while we're on the conversation, she is my choice for um, MVP this year. Because I think with Diana out, the thing people don't understand is Diana has been grooming Brittany Griner for this. Like, she knew she was not going to play forever. Now, thank God, there's no end in sight. But 
she's been grooming Brittany Griner to eventually take over this Phoenix Mercury team. Um, very different personality from Diana, but we've seen Brittany become, become more dominant over time. The two played against each other in Russia, and there's no way that you can say that Diana has not had an impact on who Brittany will be in the future of this league. But no doubt, DeWanna Bonner will have to step up. I love the addition of Essence Carson. Um, don't want, know what happened in L.A., but <laughs> I am an Essence Carson fan. She brings such a business mentality to the game, does all the little things. When she's hitting outside shots, I mean, she's trouble because she can also defend. She's long. She's got that defensive you know, pedigree from Rutgers six foot wing, which to me is a premium in the, in the WNBA. Um, Breon January has to be healthy. You know, mm-hmm. like we talked, we've talked about injuries, but I think there's a number of players that are kind of on that mm, health is wealth list. Um, I would put Breon on that. Simone Augustus has got to have a healthy season. Shanice Johnson is coming back. You know, she's got to be, feel healthy. Brittany Sykes, um, you know, had off season surgery. Karima Christmas Kelly. Um, Danielle Robinson. So, you know, I, I think there's uh, Brian is on that list of players, but they definitely need her to be at full tilt while they are without Diana Taurasi. I mean, Brian's a, a WNBA champion come from Tamika catching's pedigree. So I think she's an important part, but Vonnie Turner is a player. I think people don't talk about enough and how she stepped up in some big moments for Phoenix. They've done a great job with their roster of becoming younger, more athletic, you know, I think they're getting up and down the floor, but um, it's going to be their core players uh, that has to keep it going while Diana's out, and that's not an easy task. Can I just say, as far as Phoenix goes, I cannot believe that they got rid of Stephanie Talbot. Talbot. Yeah, I, crazy. Reeve is a queen finesser out of getting players for nothing. I don't know how she consistently does this every year, and teams just hand her players and she's already a great coach, so I don't know. The competitive spirit in me does not understand how y'all keep doing this. <laughs> but I, Steph is an amazing player. I think she's going to be a huge piece for Minnesota. But I just cannot believe that they got rid of her. <laughs> just, yeah, it must have been a, ca- a salary cap issue, but I, I don't know that for for fact. I'm just speaking out. But, uh, I mean, for the value, what was she? She got traded for, what, a second round? Yes. And yeah, that's I not mean, good enough. And as far as Phoenix goes, she's defense. She's a huge defensive yeah. peach, which is something that they always need. So yeah. obviously they got Essence, but I mean, between having, if they would have had like Essence, Steph and Bree defensively, a healthy Bree, like they could have actually had like a decent defensive unit out there. And I, I don't under, I just don't understand it. Like they could have been deadly with that. I think I, yeah. but. Yeah, they, that was, I don't Reeve know. Reeve is out here getting about to get GM of the year. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, you guys make sure that you are checking out the uh, opening nationally televised of Phoenix Mercury taking on a Seattle Storm on Saturday, May 25th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC, your local ABC network. Fans, stay right where you are because Devro Peters, myself, and Tarika Foster-Brasby have a lot more to break down as we prepare to begin the WNBA season, including the GM survey. Who did the WNBA GMs pick for their MVP? Who did they pick to win the championship? Well, we'll hear what they picked, but we got our own picks. Stay right where you are. We'll be back after this. Third quarter. Scouting report. 
All right, fans, we are back for our third quarter scouting report. And in this quarter, we are going to get some predictions out of LaChina and Dev. And this should be interesting. Um, today, the WNBA released their GM survey in which uh, 12 GMs were able to put in their uh, thoughts on who they believed would win the season superlatives. So let's start at the beginning in the WNBA finals. The China thinks that it will be Phoenix and Dev thinks that it will be Las Vegas. However, the GM survey uh, showed that 33% of owners believed that Las Vegas would be first with 25% believing Phoenix would be second. So defend your pick. Uh, Dev, I'll start with you. I mean, they, they got a squad, man. They got, they got Kayla McBride, um, Liz and Asia. Then you got Sugar. <laughs> I mean, they just, I feel like they have so much scoring power and they're young. Um, they're going to be able to run the floor um, and really push it. You have a great coach in Bill Embiid, and I just feel like there's not going to be a lot of teams that, that can mess with them. They've, they've been preparing for this for a while and they've had their years where it's been tough. And even the years that they haven't been great, I feel like, you know, they've been right there. Um, even with losing a lot of games, it's been, you know, like within 10, they're, they're not getting out here getting blasted or anything like that. Um, and I think they were young and I feel like this is finally the year they're going to be able to turn that corner. Um, well, there's a little thing that's missing from the Las Vegas Aces roster uh, that I think makes a big difference once you get to the finals, if you're able to even get there, and that's experience. I just don't think that Vegas has enough experience yet uh, to understand how to get over the hump in the playoffs, um, in a series, and definitely not in the WNBA finals. When you look at the track record of the teams that have have won it, right, they have had that thing in common, whether it's the Minnesota dynasties that Dev was a part of or, you know, last year, again, when you look at the teams that were left standing, it was the Diana Tarazi's team. It was the Sue Burr's team. It was the, um, you know, I mean, Christy Tolver's won a, a uh, WNBA championship in, in Washington. Her experience, I think, elevated Deladon in that Washington Mystics club. And then you had... Um, Atlanta, where Renee Montgomery's experience having ha- being a WNBA champion, you know, helped to elevate them. I-, I just think you have to have that in a key position on your roster. And without looking at Vegas's roster, I-, I don't I don't think they have that. I mean, I don't they don't have a prominent player that's been in those wars and battles as a WNBA champion. So that's why they're not my champion. They are on my list of top four for the season, but I had Phoenix for all the reasons that I mentioned already, especially because if y'all seen that video on Twitter of Diana Tarazi popping it, her back looked fine to me. Okay. She was, she was giving them the business. I mean, she was pop locking. She did the snake. I mean, she was doing all kind of stuff. Um, she is ready. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. And from listening to Swin Cash and her experience with the same injury, Swin said it's instant relief from the pain. It's instant relief. So I just think DT is going to come back and this is going to be Phoenix year. They were so close last year. They were a couple of Sue Bird heroic performances from being a champion last year. And I think they get over the hump this year. A month ago, we had an opportunity to see some of college basketball's greats make it to 
fulfill their dream of playing in the WNBA. And so with the next category of Rookie of the Year, um, our GMs thought that Asia Durr of the New York Liberty and Arike Ngumbawale and at for playing now for the Dallas Wings were equally possible to win rookie of the year at 25%. Let China, I'll start with you. Who do you have as your rookie of the year? This was not easy. I'm not gonna lie. Like this was not an easy choice because I think a lot goes into being rookie of the year. Like not only is it what you can contribute as a player, but it's what the roster looks like before you get there. Like, is there either even going to be minutes available for you to show what you can do? And are you going to go to a system that's, you know, an easy transition for you from what you did in college? Um, like there's so many things that go into to what makes you successful, but my rookie of the year, I chose Jackie Young. You know, I, I just, it, nothing to do with Deborah Peters in Notre Dame at all. Um, <laughs> even though she gets a leg up on this one. But I, I just think Jackie is physically ready for the WNBA. Like I just, her physique is incredible. Her length, her, you know, she's, if she has any body fat, I'd be surprised. Um, she's the prototype. And, and that often is the hardest thing for players, you know, making the transition to the WNBA is the speed, the strength, the quickness, the athleticism. And Jackie won't have that to worry about. I also think that with Vegas's new acquisitions, you know, with, with Liz Cambage, that, you know, there's a chance for her to work her way into that lineup in the backcourt, even as a backup point guard, because we saw her do that at Notre Dame. So because she can play the one, two, and three, and she has all of those physical attributes, she has a high basketball IQ, um, Bill Lambeer loves big guards. I, I just think space and opportunity is there for Jackie Young, but it, it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, if Arike, who also has some some space in there, does something special. But I, I really think it's really going to be Jackie Young. I am going to agree. <laughs> that was my pick as well. Jackie was my favorite player in Notre Dame um, these past couple years. And I honestly think she is just so, even still, she is so underrated. Like, as much as she can do, like, she, I, honestly, Arike was the name last year when they won. But Jackie is the one that got them there. Jackie is the reason that the, that Arike was able to make them shots <laughs> at the end of the game to win them that championship. True. It was all her. And I think she's just ready for it. Like you said, her build, um, her physicality, um, she's just not scared of anything. And she's a bucket. She is a bucket. She can defend. Like, she is really, to be that, you know, like a rookie coming in, she really has a lot going for her. So I, that was my pick as well. I don't know why I thought that Dev would pick anybody other than someone from Notre Dame to win. Ooh, <laughs> that's a, you heard Tarika see this how she gets Dev trying to get spicy with you. I just knew it. I'm just going to throw out there that I was rolling with Asia. I saw their preseason game and I thought that Asia looked good. I think she'll she'll make something happen. Um, but staying with that, uh, defensive player of the year. So um, I know you mentioned this person as your MVP candidate. However, uh, the GMs have uh, Brittany Griner. At 33% winning the Defensive Player of the Year award this year. So, Dev, let's start with you. Uh, who do you have on your list? I actually like um, Syl, of oh, course. <laughs> you stole mine. Did now I really? Stole, yes. So I'm not even going to talk. I'm just going to go with Dev's argument. <laughs> Dang it. I mean, I, is there really much to say? It's Sylvia Fowles. Right, like, it. this is what she does <laughs> every year, year in and year out. Like, 
she she just grinds this out and i, I mean it's it's what she does there's it's not a lot you can go do to get around her or you know i think bg even so like um even with her stature she she can get in foul trouble and i think that is like maybe the biggest difference for me or the separator for me is that um people can have kind of figured out you know like you can pump fake bg and get her up or get her to hit you um and not have to worry about her blocking you as much but still i mean you're not getting around her she's too strong she's too big she's too long and athletic like it's not a whole lot you're gonna do so that was definitely my pick plus one well, since that was that easy, Dev, let's stay with you and let's have you tell us who your MVP candidate's going to be. Um, my MVP candidate is uh, Liz. I think that she finally got what she wanted and got out of uh, Dallas. And I think she's going to have a year um, with a team that, you know, I think is going to win it. But um, I think she's just going to have a, a great year. She finally got out. I know she's going to be playing a lot looser um, and having a lot of fun. And it's, it's really not a lot you can do to stop her. So I, I, I'm going to have to go with Liz. FYI, our GM selected uh, Elena Deladon at 42%, which was pretty high in my opinion. But hey, that's real high. <laughs> let me tell you this. I <laughs> Let me tell you this right now. And, every, and I've said this on this show. Elena Deladon is my favorite player to watch in the WNBA, period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even close. Okay. She is just, she's legit. Like, she's the truth. And yeah, she's she tough. she can do everything. And she never gets rattled. And she's just effective. However, she was not my MVP selection. Um, mine was Brittany Griner for all the reasons that I've listed. But I do have a, a little a list of some possibilities. And a couple of them may surprise you guys. So I'm going with Griner. Um, Liz Cambage was on my short list. Um Della Don was on my short list. Sill could easily be the MVP this year. I think Sill was a little bit, I mean, come on, like Minnesota was not happy with the way things went last year. And still, Sill still got some legs. Like she could still go. Um, and, and I thought she had a good season last year. Chelsea Gray is, is intriguing to me because LA is going to need so much from her in their backcourt. Their guard rotation has changed dramatically. Um, without Essence, without Odyssey. And so I think there could be space and opportunity to see something even greater than what we've seen from Chelsea Gray. Uh, Quell Jones is going gonna to have an amazing season. Like, I have her on my second team, all WNBA, could end up being first. I think we're going to see amazing things from her. Another dark horse for MVP is Odyssey Sims. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out there. I think she could have a really amazing year. Now, I think for that to happen, Minnesota would have to have an amazing year, and I don't know that they're on track to do that. Um, though their roster looks good, they'll have to stay healthy. A lot of other things will have to go their way, but she could have a breakout year. Asia Wilson, Tina Charles is all, all, always in there. And then another one is Kayla McBride. Thank you. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> Goodness. See, why you have to second. put it at the end? Give me a second. Calm down. I was getting there. No, I, I think she could. Absolutely. I think she, she definitely would have a shot at MVP. She was absolutely my wild card because, you know, I feel like, you know, especially with MVP, like it's usually the player that have kind of had like a good flow of their season through overseas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it, really the past like four or five years, the the players that's won MVP has had a great uh overseas season, then had a great WNBA season and maybe like an Olympic year or something, you know, like they've had all of that stuff flowing with for them. And I feel like KMX started off right. So. That's my wild and Tiffany Hayes is also a dark horse. She could she could do something really special. I, I she's got some things to show me, but 
I, I think she could also easily be in that conversation. So moving from our players, the survey like to um, do some fun kind of questions and have some fun superlatives to give away. So instead of coach of the year, um, they had best overall coach in the WNBA, which essentially you can say is the same thing. But looking for your thoughts on who you think will will end up winning coach of the year this year. Lachina, let's start with you. Ooh, I hadn't even thought about coach of the year. Um, well, I'll give you uh, what the GM selected. So they uh, have two categories, right, which they kind of intertwined in one, which was best overall coach and which coach is the best motivator of people. So interesting, right? So Mike Tebow of the Washington Mystics actually had 25% of the vote for best overall coach in the WNBA with Nikki Collin, Dan Hughes, and Kurt Miller each coming in um, at a tie percentage of seven, 17. Cheryl Reeve wasn't in there? Cheryl Reeve was uh 8% of the vote, <laughs> along with Sandy Brondello and Bill Lambeer. But... When it came to the category of best manager and motivator of people, Nikki Collin had 50% of the vote and Cheryl Reeve came in second with 25%. That's I agree with me. the Nikki. I definitely agree with that one. I, I'm, listen, I'm a, I'm a big of a Nikki Collin fan that you're going to, is you're going to find, but over Cheryl Reeve? As motivator? As a motivator? Yes. Really? Have you really? Well, you've been in the. I mean, you've been in the huddles, Dev. But I mean, I mean, as soon I don't as know. About, as soon as Minnesota comes out from halftime, if y'all are down, they vets though. Motivate like you don't need to motivate them. They I know guess. what to do. <laughs> 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 they know what to do. That's not you know what I mean. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah, I, guess I mean, so. I, I feel like. As far as Atlanta, they've had, you know, they had a little bit of a younger squad for a while and they kind of made a pretty large jump. And even just their energy in general, you could tell, like, their whole energy is something different there. No, I agree. I just don't think over Cheryl Reeve as far as motivator. Now, overall, Coach... Um, I don't know. Like, I think they need to break that down a little bit more. Yeah, it's a little broad. Yeah, for me. I mean, I think, um, I think the world of Mike Tebow and, you know, obviously looking at what he did, getting Washington to their first finals, you know, I, I could understand that. But, yeah, I need that broken down a little bit more. Yeah. Next. <laughs> well, um, we're actually going to end it here because there are so many different categories that they have anybody who's interested in seeing this can actually go to wmba.com and just click on their links of the 2019 gm survey but i mean there are so many different things here who has the best step back move chrissy tolliver who has the best <laughs> fadeaway shot best finisher they gave to tina charles um it's just so many different things and, and it's hard to argue with some of them while others you know you can best pure shooter ali quigley who's gonna argue that like yeah, yeah. <laughs> after after last year's three-point performance competition you know what no. I mean? who's gonna argue that so um, most improved i got diamond my sis just gonna throw it out there now you know look at them trying <laughs> to know, pick up extra categories extra category you know what saying. i'm saying i'm throwing it out here ain't even on ain't even on the list and diamond was she i think she was on my yeah she was on my come up list i'm with you dev i think, I think she's, she's gonna, gonna be have a crazy year me too yeah they have most i'm here for it most surprising offseason uh chenea gumake trade to la 58 percent. which team will be most improved vegas 75 percent. and which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact Liz Cambage of at course, 75%. Of course. Yep. 
What else you got, Deb? You got most improved. You throwing stuff <laughs> you out there. Right? Anything else you want to say? I just, I just wanted to put, you know, I just want people to know. So when it happens, I can say that this I was know. recorded and people can come back to it. We're just trying to go on record. <laughs> That's fine. Right. And for the record, I wrote all of these downs, fans. So when it comes back up in conversation throughout the course of the season, I got evidence. I got good. Yeah. Look, screenshot, send uh-huh. that to me. All that. Uh-huh. I got proof. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun, Dev. Yay, yes. Dev. We're going to be doing this often. So check your schedule for next week. Tell me where you at. <laughs> <laughs> I will be around. Dev, before you get out of here, please tell the fans exactly where they can find you and follow you on social media. Um, both Twitter and um, Instagram are Miss Peters 14 Ms. Peters 14 she wild though. Make sure when you hit that follow button. <laughs> Be she ready. wild though. <laughs> Be ready. <laughs> Thanks, Dev. You are the best. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Fourth quarter. Out of bounds. All right, basketball fans, it is the fourth quarter, and we just want to thank you for listening to Around the Rim and remember that um our fans matter and we want to um have fun content. We want to inform you about women's basketball. And we also want to hear from you. So if you are on social media, on Twitter, you can find us at Around the Rim Pod with any questions, comments, concerns, etc. Um, I'm also on Twitter at LaChina Robinson. Tarika is at SheKnowSports underscore. And I believe Dev is at Miss Peters 14, which she might have shared with us earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of all of that, you can also email us if you're old school and don't want to get on social media or don't want other people to see what you have to say. <laughs> you can email us. At around the rim podcast at gmail.com. Um, and for our podcast, make sure that you go to your podcast app and subscribe to Around the Rim so you could be one of the first to receive our new episodes. You can rate us. Please comment on how wonderful or terrible you think our show is. We will take it all. And that's it. We will have a new show next week. Tarika and I are excited to be back with you guys. Yes. And please make sure y'all check out the game on Saturday. Our host is going to be there. I'm going to be in studio, actually, which I was going to tell you. I'm going to be on campus oh, on Friday. <laughs> it's going I forgot down. to tell you. I forgot to tell down. you. Look, she's going to kill me. Yeah. I'm, so now, I will be in studio for our ESPN um, kickoff on Saturday. It's on ABC actually, and it's the Phoenix Mercury visiting the Seattle Storm, three thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Anything else, T? Um, if you leave a negative review, I'm going to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you've been doing? See, I knew something was it's up. It's just been a trip, right? I knew something was up. <laughs> Until next week, fans. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.